Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And welcome to Going Off Track with your host, Betty Horowitz. That's it. Live from New Jersey. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. Come on, Brad. Hey, Brad, I heard a great expression today. You want to hear it? Uh, um, Do I? Yeah. Sure. Let's hear it. It goes, third time's the charm. (laughs) I never heard that before. (laughs) I don't believe that. (laughs) That's true. I don't believe you. So... John the Ghost. He... Oh no! <laughs> My brother. Should I answer it? It's not the charm. Yeah. Can I hear? <laughs> hey, I'm uh, doing a podcast intro right now, wearing a bat mask. How are you? <laughs> Mini Batman mask. <laughs> For those of you who cannot see this, Benny is wearing a children's size <laughs> Batman mask. Can I give you a call back? <laughs> All right. Love you. He's sitting in an obvious upstairs room, backed by lingerie mannequins. I was uh, explaining the superheroes to my son the other day. And in explaining Batman, I realized that he's uh, kind of just like an insane rich person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With like, like deep, deep, deep. Like, like psychological problems. Dude, even my, yeah, my son glommed onto this. He totally got it. He was like, bless him. He's, he's, he's a Marvel man like me, but he was like, he's like, so Batman, like his thing is basically being rich, right? His power, (laughs) his superpowers, he's rich. Like, yeah, that's it. Like born rich. Something awful happened to him, sure. Give them motivation. But it's like it's like he's had everything for so long. He couldn't take one loss. <laughs> couldn't take one hit. Had to take over the world because of it, you know? It was a pretty big hit. Yeah, it's a tough one. Tough one. <laughs> Not easy to watch when I was a kid. I was like, oh, this is supposed to be a fun movie, right? Oh, good. Dead parents. That's mm. cool. That's how, how you start every uh, Disney film, right? Oh my god. I still haven't recovered from the Lion King. I might I might put together a class action lawsuit of people like me against Disney for the Lion King. I didn't need that. I didn't need to know Uncle Scar and the 
the things he did could exist in the world yet? You dupe a small child into thinking he killed his own father? Jesus Christ. That's Disney. pretty cruel. Fucked up. I, yeah, I'm still not recovered. If anyone is interested in jumping on this class action lawsuit against Disney <laughs> on my behalf. Go to Benny versus Disney dot <laughs> org. I'll take, I'll take on the big man. Come on. That's why we have a Patreon, right? We do. <laughs> <laughs> Patreon.com slash going off track yeah. where you can give us money and we'll give you like the video to this intro because because who you want to see this you actually do want to see this because benny is wearing a children's batman mask for this whole intro Mm -hmm. and like i said with sexy mannequin well right now they're just naked mannequins in the back oh no one's wearing a a corset what do you call that yeah let's i'll bring it a little closer hang on (laughs) and for all of you audio only uh, listeners, we apologize that you cannot see the sexy corset. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Should I? I'm going to describe it. Uh, it's a beautiful black sexy corset. <laughs> and if you want to see that corset, you will have to go to patreon.com slash going off track and give us some money. Because the truth is, this entire show is brought to you by our patrons. Yeah, that's true. Who, uh, we also do a um, uh, fireside chat with every Thursday night. Thursday you night. Can, you can ask Benny any question you want and make suggestions about the show. Uh, really enjoying our Thursday night chats. We got a good group in there. Some interesting people starting to get to know each other. I dig it. Yeah, it's fun. It's a lot it's of fun. fun. It's a lot of fun. Uh, John was a great interview. Oh, yes. One engaging character. Very steady. I would use the word level. Yeah, I feel like an insane punk rocker about to start when they're like 18 should go should go meet up with John oh, yeah. for a little like early counsel, you know? Oh, yeah. And, and again, again, Brad, we run into this anomaly of a perfectly functioning band, right? Which to me <laughs> seems like oh, yeah. some, such an insane thing. That uh, four or five people can actually just be cool. So I, I pose the question, you know, how do you keep a band together for 15 years with no member changes and you're all looking in the same direction? And like, what's the trick? What's the magic sauce to make this happen? And again, it's, just, it's hey, you know, it's pretty easy. We're all friends. We respect each other. You know, we kind of like just are into it's the like, same things. It's like the most boring answer you could get. Well, I, and and it's, a, it's the second time in a month that we've gotten that answer to that question. And both people happen to be from Phoenix. Oh, that's right. So Zach, <laughs> I, I posed this question to Zach from Jimmy World and he had a very similar answer, which was just this like, wow, something filled with like mutual respect and friendship. Uh, in communication, like already so built in that both of them almost were like, yeah, like it's not that hard. You know, it's just like things, you know, the way things are. Wow. Is there any other bands from Phoenix we could find out about? Well, I mean, there's Sean Bennett and Andrew Jackson Jihad. And even though they're much more punk rock and subversive, uh, (laughs) Sean and Ben have been together doing this. The entire time. Oh, yeah. So, so they have like kind of the same thing. 
I think they're very, uh, what is it in the water? What's with Phoenicians? They're like the Canadians of the U.S. They're, they're mild-mannered. They're tempered. Maybe it's the lack of water. Could be the lack of water. Could be the heat. They just, they got to stay chill. I read that they had 180 days last year of over 100 degree heat. Ugh. So maybe they're just chill. Maybe they're just like cactus. They're like, you know, reserving their water. <laughs> they're reserving their <laughs> they energy move. for something they really need. Yeah, they're like, I can't fight with my friends. I, I, I would die. <laughs> so I don't know. It's, but it is fascinating. There is something about uh, a Phoenician now that we have the Maine and Jimmy World both being these like, you know, anthropological anomalies of just bands that stay great friends and, you know, just keep going. It's cool. I'll have to look into this. Yeah. John was awesome. His new record is awesome. I had heard a couple songs and it was one of the things that really wanted me to get him on to discuss this album and see where his head was at. So when we get into the episode. You have passed. <laughs> I passed. Is wait, wait. What? I can't believe I just had the, that. Really, actually, used to happen. What? Where they would like make you like hold your balls and cough. Yeah, yeah. What? Yeah, oh yeah. Wait, what? You turn your head and you just give it a little. <laughs> I haven't thought about that in so long. What is the actual physiological reason for making a child do that? Especially like in a row of other children being stared at by grown men. I have no idea. I think it, I think it has something to do with hernias. At least that's what I yeah. was under the assumption of. So uh, that's what I'm going with. I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, man. Brad, what's your assumption there? Um, I think just all for good fun, right? Yeah, that's what I, I think. It's one of those things that somebody just started in their 20s and they're just like, you know, it's just the way we always do things, right? We got to check for scoliosis, kid. It's, Grab your balls. It's for a hernia and it's not discontinued, dude. I think it's still the practice. Still happening? Yeah, I think if, if you, yeah, if you're, if you're suspected of having a hernia, I think it's still possibly a test. That's shocking. I mean, I've never even heard of a kid having a hernia. <laughs> Well, that's why you're you're not a doctor. Or maybe all this testicle grabbing is the reason I've never heard of a kid having a hernia. There you go. Exactly. Yeah, maybe they just really... Oh, so hi, John. (laughs) Welcome to the show. Yeah. Welcome to the program. Thanks for coming on. Hell yeah. Thanks for having me. No worries. So what what are you up to? Uh, I just got home from a little... uh, I, I live in Arizona. Um, mm-hmm. And I got wow. home from a little trip that my wife and dogs and I took up north to go see some snow um, about like three hours away. So I had a good weekend. Ha- had like north into the mountains there? Yeah, uh, we went specifically to a little town called Pine Top. Um, so like White Mountains area. And we got like, I think on Saturday night they had... Just about 10 inches of snow, which is oh. kind of a rarity, especially where we live. Um, Phoenix doesn't get snow. So right. it was nice to nice to see for sure. Yeah, I saw a friend of mine uh, post an image from Houston, Texas today with a very, very light dusting saying oh, right. that it is basically shutting down the entire city. <laughs> 
Yeah, if it rains here in Arizona, it's like yeah, all bets are off. <laughs> right. It's, you don't want to be in a car for sure. <laughs> so do you uh, do you like ski or snowboard? Do you do like mountain activities? We I bought I bought a couple sleds from Ace Hardware, and yeah. <laughs> that was the extent of the extreme sports. Uh, uh, I used to yeah. snowboard, but then it was just like I don't know. I'm prone to getting hurt, so it was it was probably better. I, I've always now taken the approach of just like keeping my feet on the ground as much as possible. <laughs> sure, and then and then hoping for the best after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. cutting out those those extreme sports variables from the uh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, I I think the last time that I did something extreme was um, one of those. Uh, like it, it's like a infinity wave. So it's like at a wave pool oh, and you yeah. can kind of like surf on it. And I dislocated my shoulder the first <laughs> run. And oh, that no. was like, <laughs> it, was, it was horrible, man. So checking out someone, give me a guitar is bullshit. Dude, yeah. No, it sucked. They had, <laughs> I had to get on like, they had to yank it back into place. I didn't have a shirt on and that the, they brought like uh training uh, like not doctors, they're just trainees oh, in to like yeah. watch the whole process, and they pump <laughs> me up with like whatever that stuff was that Michael Jackson died from, and then I was oh. like, oh, this is amazing, and oh, a little <laughs> dose of fentanyl just to put your shoulder fentanyl back or in, propofol, yeah, or whatever oh, good. the hell it is. That's I know. good. That sounds healthy. Um, so I hear you. Uh, you got married fairly recently, right? End of last year. I did. Yeah, end oh. of October. Congratulations. Did you, uh, I appreciate it. Did you get away or did you do? Well, I guess, uh, doing a big thing is kind of out of the cards these days. Did you have a big thing planned or? We did. Yeah. We, we were supposed to be doing a big thing, uh, out here in Arizona. And obvious, for obvious reasons, we had to change plans. So we did what the, the, they're in the business referring to as a micro wedding. Oh, and okay. that was, uh, yeah, I just, it's a smaller wedding. So it was like 16 of us oh, um, in awesome. California. Yeah. Oh, cool, cool, cool. And uh, how, where were you initially supposed to have like a really like mega event kind of thing? No, it was just supposed to be a lot more people. Um, <laughs> right. And it was just, yeah, it, it wasn't all. I mean, the big problem is, is that we made all the, the like the deposits. So, oh, right. you, you know, you lose out on a bunch of money if you don't do it. So. We're figuring it out. But. Seriously, they didn't have like a pandemic exemption here for any of that shit. Oh, dude, no. They're, they're, oh, so I, I guarantee up. you, in the in the fine print, it was written in like if a pandemic comes <laughs> right, along right, called right, coronavirus, right. <laughs> you know, you're, you're going to be screwed. Yeah. So. Wait, what's the one that's in all of our record contracts that always? Oh, the force majeure, isn't that what it's called? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Base, it's in every yeah, like one of our contracts. Force of God. An yeah, act of God. yeah. The act mm-hmm. of God clause. Yeah, Jesus. yeah. Yep. Wow, good for them. They got all bases covered, yeah, right? For sure, for <laughs> sure. No for holes sure. for them. So um, no. that's good. So a few months in the married life. So what have you been? Um, what are you up to on like a day to day basis? How are you? Uh, let me let me ask you. Walk me through your morning. When okay. do you when do you get up? What do you drink? How do you get going? What do you like to eat? What do you do first? So. We got a, a pit bull puppy Aww. probably like seven months ago. Cool. And the majority of the morning is spent. I, we probably get up at like, I mean, fortunately she now sleeps through the night, but um, 
I'm usually up at like six thirty. Okay. And I'll take her take her to the park, try to get some of that energy out. Um that probably lasts for about an hour. Mm-hmm. And then come home, eat some breakfast, maybe work out if I can. The the big thing about working out is like I, I I like working out, but I have no motivation to like do better. So it's <laughs> like I got nobody there to be like, hey, oh, I see. do yeah. do one more, you know, <laughs> right, or do right. li- lift lift more weight. And it's sure. like, yeah, I'm good. So <laughs> right. it, you know, I I fake a workout and then <laughs> I'll probably eat a smoothie and then. Uh, and then uh, I guess it's drink a smoothie, eat a smoothie. I'm not sure. Hmm. I guess it depends on how much you chop it up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then uh, I, I fortunately kind of built like a little home studio, so it's uh, it's been keeping me busy, and uh, I've been trying to write a lot of music. So yeah, that kind of that is the day, and then uh, five o'clock rolls around, and I'm pretty much checked out, and then I figure out what we're, we're going to eat for dinner. And that's about it. So did you have the same issue? I, I, I came to a stunning realization during the pandemic. And since some of my more full-time touring slowed down is that I think I only worked out ever in my life to get ready to play. Basically. Okay. I think, yeah, yeah. I think I was like getting ready to tour. I was getting, it's the only thing that's ever given me enough motivation to actually get myself together is that. And once that was gone, that was, t- I was like, uh, what am I doing this for? Now I have to do yeah. this for me. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if that, did you run into the I same mean, issue? I, or are you I, disciplined? I guess, especially on tour, it was always a thing where it's like, that's how I could rationalize how much I drank the night before. It's like, <laughs> right. if, yeah. you know, the first thing you do is like move some iron around and yeah, that yeah. somehow like <laughs> right r- makes it all reasonable but yeah. um no i've always enjoyed doing it the I, I i like the way it makes me feel like but yeah i i'm with you especially during this process it's been like yeah i could just not do that and i especially towards the last couple of months i've been like falling back into uh having a few drinks every night and it's like you know, where before it was like, Hey, we're going to do so much more. And like, we're going to, we, we got like, um, I forget the brand name, but we ordered like those meals that they send you all the ingredients for. And you uh, cook. Right. Cause neither me or my wife, uh, enjoy cooking. So it was like, then a couple weeks of that went by and we we're like, this sucks. We hate this. <laughs> we hate this. It was like, let's go get some bad food. So it was, yeah, I, I feel like I've gone through big waves of like, being uh solid in a routine and then just like you know tearing the routine apart so yeah sure i mean well it seems like you've had a pretty uh you know prolific output uh in this time um with how many songs you've created and apparently how many ideas you come up with on a daily basis as i've read uh, what kind of um you know you sit down to work what what kind of creator are you are you someone who um, sits down and, and hits the grind every day, or do you need to wait for flashes of inspiration and things like that to really get something down that you like? What, what's that process for you like? I mean, I would say before, um, 
I guess when the idea of touring still existed and, right. and the idea that like, you know, you're only going to be home for a couple months and you got to go back out on the road. I was never one that would really be able to write while we were touring mm. just because of how many people were around. And it was just, you know, right. uh, on the bus, you're surrounded by your band and then the crew. And yeah. it's like, you know, going to lunch is an ordeal. So it was sure. like, um, I, I never really made the time to write on the road. So when I got home, I tried to maximize the time by just writing as much as I could. And I think, you know, for, for what well, I went into last year prior to, to the pandemic, um, I actually got to write for the first time, like on the road, we were in Europe and we were kind of like, uh, out running the coronavirus like reports. Oh, wow. So we were like, two weeks ahead of like the huge outbreak in Spain and Italy. Okay. Um, wow. And so we, be, we fortunately got home and I had had all these ideas that I had written on the road for the first time. So I took that. And then once, you know, things started to pan out and uh, the idea that we weren't going to be able to go back on tour sort of started to really set in. Yeah. I took all those ideas and I was able to like, you know, hash them out for real and not have them just sit around. So, mm. but I guess to answer your question, I'm more so, uh, I, I've never really enjoyed the idea of like today I'm going to write a song and like, this is what I have to write about, you know, or right. whatever. It was right, always right. like a very natural, um, if it comes, it comes and I could spend five days in a row on the same four bar, whatever, or, you know, whatever kind of happened. But I guess, um, I've tried to be more diligent with like at least showing up, you know, and at right. least like, at least like creatively trying to, you know, express myself, um, you know, cause it, it's, it's, it's definitely been a mental struggle too, you know, just of course. with yeah. the idea. And I've talked to a bunch of friends um, from different bands that are just, you know, a, a huge portion of your, um, your identity comes from, sometimes being on the road and being sure. on stage and, you know, that whole game. And it's, uh, it's been certainly a, you know, you, you've been forced to kind of examine who you are outside of that world. And, and, mm. it, you know, I think it's been a really great thing because at least for me, it's always been, man, I can't wait to spend more time at home. I can't wait to spend more time at home, you know, right. and I love what we do and I love being on the road, but then it's like, you finally get that and it's, you know, it's definitely a, a shock. It's sure. like, wow, I have all this time and, you know, um, but it's been, it's been nice for sure. It's really interesting. I, I mean, I, you know, I've seen a lot of people go through it now that you mention it, how I feel like a lot of uh, creators and writers are almost not looking for things to write about, but the road and the experience and all the different places and conversations and everything you get from that sort of can spark a lot of avenues for creation. And um, the impetus kind of comes from this external place. Have you found in the last year that, that without that exposure, that the songwriting and the lyrics are coming from potentially like a more internal place? Sure. Yeah. I think, you know, you're totally right. It's like when you have, again, the experience of just travel in general right, yeah, and being able sure. to, to see and, and, hear um people from other parts of the world and um you know once that was gone it's like now yeah writing from a different perspective and and 
again, I mean, obviously it goes without saying coronavirus has, it sucked. It sucked for everybody on so many different levels. Um, but you know, like, like we were talking about, I did get married. So it's (laughs) that weird juxtaposition of like, you know, falling in love and having love and, and, um, embarking on this new sort of chapter of, of my life with another person. Um, I sort of have found that that has been inspiring and, um, you know, that, that the, I guess the idea of, of, um, you know, like trying to muster up struggle to write about, it, it doesn't, it doesn't really go away because I feel like internally, um, I think everyone just carries around different levels of, of sadness and that's not meant to be like super emo, but it's just, you know, I, I think it's, uh, yeah, it's just been, and, and I guess simultaneously the, the idea of being in love and then, uh, you know, being stuck in this house with that person all the time, (laughs) you know, there's really great. I mean, there's a lot of great, not to get songwritery, but there's a lot of great material right there. So yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, yeah, not very often, especially a, a touring person like you, are you just, I mean, you're really tossed into the fray there, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you certainly benefit, especially when we started dating, you benefit from, um, she, she was living in San Francisco at the time, so you benefit from like being apart and then coming together again and, and sort of having those, um, those like butterflies and then, you know, not having those anymore, you you know, they're still there. It's just, you you know, in, in different forms. So yeah, it's interesting. I, I think, I I told myself that I was going to read a lot more books, but, yeah. but, but but I didn't. So I I have to I have to find inspiration somewhere else. So so no cooking, no reading, no, no cookie. No. F it, dude. F what it are you all. doing over there? What? <laughs> no working out. No. Yeah, what's myself. going on over there? Sounds sounds slovenly. No, I'm just just kidding. Wa- just no. watching Hell's Kitchen and. Uh, <laughs> I went into the British baking show. That's been my, my oh, vibe nice, on this nice. one. I like it. It's my, my wife says she's like, it's boring. There's not enough conflict, you know, because they're oh, British yeah, and yeah. they're so nice to each other. But I think that's the reason <laughs> I like it. It makes it straight vanilla television where I really don't feel bad about anything. You know, there you go. Yeah. It could be the Canadian baking show and then it would be like, you couldn't watch oh. it because it was so nice. They wouldn't even, it would never end because they'd never kick anybody off. Nobody would lose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just be the same 12 people for 10 seasons. <laughs> You know, you all judge for yourself. Like, oh, that was fun. Thanks yeah. for participating. <laughs> yeah. It's all delicious. Um, <laughs> so your now wife moved from San Francisco. Do you have a, and you're in Arizona still, like, what is it, Phoenix area? Yeah, yeah. Um, do you have a, you know, big, obviously a big network. Uh, do you have a pretty strong, like, family system still going on in Phoenix? Yeah, yeah. Um, the majority of mine are out here. Um and hers kind of are, are spread out a little bit, but mostly in California. So um, I, I definitely got, and I actually, the neighborhood we bought our house in is like only a couple streets away from the, the house that I grew up, grew up oh, in. Oh, no shit. Um, wow. Wow. Yeah. So it's kind of a trip to kind of be back in this neighborhood and, um, 
you know, sort of see it with new eyes. It's like, I, I can point out to her, which I know she's sick of by now. It's like, that's, that's where like me and uh, David found, you know, right. some porn and we yeah. took it over to the railroad tracks. She's like, dude, just ease up on the nostalgia a little yeah. bit. So. Yeah, you're, you're fucked next time you go out to California. Like you're going <laughs> yeah, on the tour, yeah. John. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I do that to my wife all the time. I'll be in like some innocuous town. I'm like, oh my God, I did this, this, this. I'm like, yeah, you got to remember, guy, nobody cares about this. <laughs> yeah, nobody yeah. but you. It's a very self-indulgent <laughs> thing to do. Absolutely. Uh, so so what's your uh, what's your background like? Uh, I mean, I particularly like with music. Um, did, you know, did you have... Uh, music in the house was there music from your parents and kind of at which point do you see where it really like maybe grabbed your attention and and took your focus yeah i mean i i think um f- firstly it was in the house for sure my dad is like a huge audiophile he's, he's like loves to sort of be the one to like bust out the most obscure bands and like give <laughs> cool. you facts about them. And nice. so, so I was always, I was always around that and always sort of tried to follow his lead. Um, and I would say like my real sort of like my personal discovery with like finding music sort of stemmed from my older cousins. Um, they all played guitar and um, they were a couple of years older and they were like the cool, you know, the cool cool cousins. So right, I wanted yeah. to follow, follow the footsteps. And, um, it wasn't until I think I was 12 when my parents got me a guitar, but I really didn't, it, it really didn't like, it was just a guitar at the time, you know, it yeah, wasn't really right. like it didn't take over and consume the way that I, I think it does for a lot of people. Sure. Um, and I had sports kind of going the whole time. I played a lot of baseball growing up. So it was like, uh, it was always like sports first and um then high school rolled around i had friends in bands um one band specifically that was in arizona and i went to all their shows what were they, they were like my best uh they went through a couple different iterations there was bad motivation <laughs> like uh, it? Like it? <laughs> then uh briefly they were uh the countdown Okay, and then and then they uh, landed on Kill Courtesy for their the last remaining uh, months or years they were a band. Okay. Um, I think I was stuck in number so, two. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so I uh, I would always go. I would go to like their their practices, and I, they were oh. just like good good homies. <clears throat> Excuse me. So um, that kind of like sparked my love for like live music and and being around it and going to see uh other bands and i would go you know go to concerts with them um and then it wasn't really until um i started creating stuff on my own at home uh via that program fruity loops back in high school Uh and i was just kind of bullshitting and making like silly beats and stuff like that and then when my brain kind of was like, Hey, you're writing songs, you know, to an extent, then, um, I guess it wasn't until college when I, um, I wanted to try out for the band that I'm in. So oh, wow. it was, a yeah, it was a long time, but, um, it was kind of like, I, I just jumped into the deep end and, and we just started 
making music and being on the road. Tell me a little bit about your baseball career. Brad's not going to like this, <laughs> but oh, I'm man. just going to, I'm going to guess I'm a baseball fan. You got, you're very long, you're lean. Uh, yeah. I'm thinking, I'm thinking you could have been a good pitcher. I, w- I would rarely pitch. I played a lot okay. of shortstop. Oh, all right. I played short until my senior year and there was a younger kid that was better at me. So they moved me to third. Oh, that's the oh you oh wow you pulled the uh, Derek Jeter Alex Rodriguez move. Yeah, a little hot corner action. <laughs> so it was. Uh, I, but to be honest, there was like, I don't know, I don't know if y'all played sports growing up, but there was like sort of that um, that epiphany moment where I was like, yo, I'm really not as good as the best guy on the team. Like this isn't going. <laughs> I'm not yeah. going. I'm not going past this. So I. I would say junior and senior year when I realized that they had a PA system at the baseball stadium right. uh, that we played in, I I took control of that. Even though I was like playing, I okay. actually like set up the PA and I set up. I I let everybody have walk up songs, <laughs> nice, and nice. my buddy, my good buddy, was the announcer. Okay, <laughs> so it was like I was more concerned about what. I was going to walk out to what we were going to warm up to. Right, right. I think I was the actual game. So, what was your? What did you come out to? Oh, dude, I had mixed um, it up. <laughs> there's a hardcore band from Tucson called The Bled. Oh yeah. Um, and I, I think I had the song was "Spit Shine Sonata" by The Bled. Wow, that's and, that, that's a pretty that's pretty far reaching for a baseball <laughs> game. That's cool. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I had that, and then I had uh, Project Pat. Okay, uh, a Memphis rapper had a song called "Chicken Head" that I walked out to too. So <laughs> I was all over the place. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. And then, so you went to you went to college and tried out from there. So the main was already. Was it the main yet or was it a... No, so they... Uh, Garrett, our bass player and our drummer, Pat, um, had been in bands in high school. And like my my good buddies, they had done a bunch of battle of bands against their some of their old bands. So oh, they nice. were they were called uh, the, the Kerosene Kids at one point. Okay. And then they were uh, the Seasons Company. Okay. And then, and then there might have been one or two. I'm forgetting of, but um, <laughs> but they they were looking for a singer, and I just uh, I got drunk, and b- basically the whole like the the whole triangle works like Tim, our manager, uh, has been one of my best buds since sixth grade. Oh, cool. So Tim's youngest brother is Patrick, who is in. Uh, the main he plays drums for the main so that was kind of like the i i told tim hey i want to try out for your brother's band and he just passed it off as i was just drunk at a party and then the next morning (laughs) i woke up and i went over to pat's house and i played uh i played a song by a band called ivory on the guitar very Uh poorly and he's like hey man you're in (laughs) all right cool now what so that's cool. So I mean, I can I can imagine for a younger person, you know, you're you're playing sports and you're connected into those worlds. What what do you think gave you kind of the you know, the confidence or the you know, the reach to to go after something like that? I mean, I, it's actually drunk. weird cuz I, I <laughs> yeah, I was drunk. That was it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> 
I can't pinpoint exactly which uh, alcoholic <laughs> drink it was. Right. No, I, I um, there there were two times like uh, when I would go to band practice for for my buddy's band, I would always inevitably like kind of mess around at the very tail end of mm. the practice, and right, I would right. grab the mic and and fuck around. I time. was being yeah, I would be I would be goofy with them. We would play Finch and we'd play stuff like that. And, okay. Uh, so, but, but there were, there was a time when somebody was like, Hey, that actually sounds pretty good. And I can exactly remember that day. Mm. And then I remember, uh, another day being in the, in the car with a bunch of my buddies. And, um, I was huge into, uh, the starting line Okay, when we were in high school. And yeah. I remember singing one of his parts and like, I didn't think I was doing it for real, but I like, you know, somebody was like, Hey man, that, that sounded pretty cool. I'm That's like, cool. Oh, cool. So those, and they were so, so insignificant for everybody else. You know, the, it was like moments in time that n- nobody that was ever in the car would have ever thought about again, you know, right, but for sure. me, I think I, I latched onto it and, um, it just kind of took a little nudge to, to actually give it a try. and and. And that was kind of, it's weird even thinking about, because I haven't really thought about the actual, those actual moments in such a long time, but those were actually like the little bits that I think gave me just enough confidence. You know, I'm still, even to this day, working on being confident and being, you know, um, so, so even in like live setting, you know, being more comfortable on stage and, and whatnot. But yeah, that's interesting because it, it, I haven't thought about, you know, but, but when you, when you said it, it's like, oh shit, those were the two kind of times. So that's cool. Well, that's a a highlight too, to anyone's listening, you know, raise your kids to support your friends and be positive. You know what I mean? Right. Cause it could have taken like case in point. Okay. I I have a funny, quick turnoff from here that made me not a singer, which was, I was in a band called full circle swing at the time. Always a drummer. I've always been a drummer. But I okay. used to fashion myself as someone who could do some backups, get in there. And I remember <laughs> I got in the studio and the line was sun on my face. And I was supposed to do like a, yeah, I don't know. I'm not even going to try. But for some reason, <laughs> I just soul man the thing. And I got in this vocal booth and I go like, sun on my face. And I like, <laughs> you know, really like blues man for some fucking reason <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, i'm like 16 i don't know why and you know i like look up and all my like little fucking gangster jersey friends who i'm in the band with are just losing their shit in the <laughs> studio you know what i mean die like deaf comedy jam laughing you know their legs are in the air and i'm just like all right fuck this headphones off and <laughs> and that was it that was it. That was yeah. pretty much it. Like I've taken some other stabs later in life, but no, that was pretty much it. So, and that's all it took. Yeah, that's that's, it. What, that's the thing. If that's all it took, and yeah, man, I that's needed a, more. That po- could have changed the course. Changed the course of everything. For I you. know. I could have been a blues man. I could have owned my own song <laughs> by now. It's <laughs> just uh, funny, man. Well, it's interesting. I mean, you were so you were so young. Um, you know. And it seems like, you know, your life kind of took hold in the direction of the main and being a touring musician, you know, fairly quickly after that. And, you know, I was wondering, like, since you were essentially like a kid and, and you know, tr- 
um, going right into being in sort of a well-known band and touring and starting your course. What's that been like for you, like just as a person? Um, and at any point, have you felt like you had to like catch up on uh, some different kind of life or missed any version of life you were you were curious about? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, especially now, um, I'm 32 now. So we started when I was 19. Right. Um, and it was, you know, there, there, you know, I mean, there just inherently are a lot of things that you miss if you're away all the time. Yeah. You know, it's, if it's, um, you know, a cousin's wedding or the birth of someone's child or whatever it is, or the, you know, the funeral of, you know, a grandparent or something, you know, whatever. Um, I think especially now it's interesting because I, I have found that I love spending, um, time with my parents. It's yeah, cool. something that I really didn't, not that my parents and I haven't always been close, right. like we've been close, but I, for a lot of you know, especially being in high school and then your early twenties, you know, at least for me, I didn't always want to hang out with them, you know, right? Yeah. I, I, I loved them. Sure. But it yeah. wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like, Hey, I want to go have some beers with my dad. It was like, <laughs> right. uh, there's my dad, you know, it's like, <laughs> right. I don't know. It, it yeah, wasn't like, let's, sense. let's chill. Um, and now it's totally, uh, I, I don't want to say like I'm making up for lost time, but like my parents live really close and um, I just love spending time with them. So That's awesome. um, I don't know, as far as growing up, it's, you know, it's, it's just been part of life. So it's been, you know, I, of course there are things that I probably wish I could have, you know, told myself back then, like maybe, you know, kill some of your ego a little bit more or don't worry so much about all this other whatever, you know, like, I don't know. There's, there's certainly things that um, I wish I could have known back then, but mm -hmm. that's part of it all, you know, and, and a lot of people sort of cringe when they look back at yearbooks. And I, I feel like that's just, you know, it's just part of being alive is being able to, to, wear your hair like an idiot and then <laughs> you know take your lumps and make mistakes and i feel like especially now like um not to like veer too far off course but on the the drive home um my wife and i were just talking about you know cancel culture and and yeah. that whole thing and and we were just saying how important it is to be able to make mistakes and mm. to be able to learn from them and to, to grow from them as sure. an individual and, and, and as a, a society. And, um, you know, I've been very fortunate to, to be in a band and have that be my job for almost 15 years now. And it's, sure. uh, but there's plenty of mistakes that I've made as an individual and plenty of mistakes that we've made as a band. And we've been so fortunate to kind of, you know, hopefully better ourselves because of those things. And, um, yeah, I don't even know what the question was. I think, I don't even think I answered it. So. No, it's okay. <laughs> oh, it doesn't even matter. I mean, it's interesting you say about cancel culture. Cause I mean, the one thing I even heard, uh, a statement you were talking about some, some old lyrics you had when you were younger and, you know, and you're like, yeah, I was, I was 19. They were kind of stupid, you know? What are you going to do? Like, and I think the, a lot of the thing that we're dealing with with cancel culture is, is 
is owning up to it, you know, is um, absolutely the people who can take some personal responsibility, eat a little crow, which is not attractive these days for some reason, and and can actually, you know, open themselves up to be vulnerable and wrong and move forward, you know? And I feel like if if people are authentically doing that, you know, I think you're forgiven often unless your trespasses are really that serious, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting time. And, and cause we were, we were sort of, it all spawned from listening to this podcast. We listened to this uh, podcast called criminal and the episode was on somebody that made up a fake uh, rumor about a real estate agent and essentially ruined her career for a minute and basically said that she was cheating on somebody on her husband with another guy, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so it was like, like, and then that of course was like, yeah, I mean, the internet's crazy, man. And we were just, you know, we had nothing but time on the drive. So I think you're, I think you're a hundred percent right. It's, I think, um, empathy is, is, is not lacking. It's just, um, it's not sexy, you know, it's like, (laughs) it's definitely not sexy anymore. And I think that it's really important, like you're saying to, to be authentic and to try to, I don't know, try, try to learn, try to be better for sure. Yeah. I think maybe it's just tapping into like the part of every person listening that knows they fucked up too. You know, if you're yeah, able, sure. if, you're, if you're able to relate it in such a way <laughs> that you see it in your head, you're like, Oh, that could have been me. You know, yeah. like, it could have just easily been me. Yeah, they they were talking about the Hall of Fame in baseball, and right. you know, my dad was like, "Well, what do you think about steroids and all this?" And like, well, we inevitably talked about it for a while, but sure, it's like interesting to think like people passing judgment on other people's character um, are are just humans themselves, and there was some uh, baseball journalist or something like that that had been accused of. Uh, molesting children when he was, you know, uh, right. when yeah. he was back in the day. De- I don't know if you heard about that, but no. then I think he got um, wiped from the like Philadelphia Hall of Fame for journalism or something like that. It's just really I mean, interesting. Of course, it's <laughs> Philly. No, <I'm> just- <laughs> <laughs> but it's just you know, it, humans are flawed. I think that's the biggest thing, and it's uh, it's only the mistakes that make you, you know. Uh, who you are so yeah well you you just uh address one of the biggest highlights i think of cancel culture again it's a it's a sports comparison but i watched you know as a new york yankees fan i watched alex rodriguez for years and years be one of the best players in baseball one of the most hated individuals in baseball essentially because everyone fucking knew he was lying the entire time it was oh yeah and you know on the same exact team uh, with someone who also won World Series and the same exact program was Andy Pettit, who did mm-hmm. did steroids, did HGH. And after he got caught, he did a press conference. I was like, you know what? It was a mistake. Sorry, never do it again, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And no one even knows he did it. That's, that's how, sure. you know, he didn't wag his finger at anybody. And it's just this. Hey, we're just highlighting, I guess, what we even talked about 10 minutes ago. Just own up to your fucking mistakes, you know? Absolutely. Um, Sorry for throwing the wrench in there. We we got we got all off. Oh, John, but... this this program is called <laughs> Going Off Track. 
There you go. Yeah, I, I want you lying down, shoes off. I hope you have some warm to drink. Yeah, everything. Let's let's go on a ride, baby. Um, but I, I was wondering, in the same context of you know you growing up, uh, I can imagine a lot of your fans started young um, and are now adults dealing with a yeah. very different stage of life, just like you are. And I know how important fans are to you and the band. And I, I was wondering if you feel the need to create a different type of uh, soundtrack or roadmap or, or even, I guess, just the messaging behind your songs. Like, do you, do you consider that aspect of it these days? It, I, I don't know. I, I, I think I always will subconsciously. I think, um, you know, it, it's people listening to, to our music. Um, that's the only reason we're able to make it. So inevitably they're, their influence will somehow creep in. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that the, the neatest part to me, um, as the person that writes the lyrics and the majority of the songs is just that they've allowed us the freedom to sort of explore all sorts of different sounds. Mm -hmm. And we've, we've done different, uh, we've taken different approaches with, every single record um just from a standpoint of not wanting to recreate something we already did sure. um we did a record in nashville um to tape which was like you know probably uh too ambitious but okay. you know people people liked it um liked it enough what studio was that at um oh gosh now i'm gonna the studio's not there anymore uh we did the record with uh brendan benson Oh, and cool. he was, nice. he was like kind of, it's actually the, there was a studio that, um, I think Jim James from my morning jacket had either owned or was definitely just working out of there. Um, but anyways, we, we've been there recently and the, the whole building got knocked down, which is kind of a shame, but, mm. um, I think to, 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 to the question, it's, it's been really amazing to have the ability to feel like you can um, not necessarily do no wrong, but um, uh, not like not have the fear of disappointment mm. uh, outweigh like your decision-making. Sure, so it's sure. like, yeah, I, I think we've just been really lucky. And what's really a trip um, is that especially being on the road, like having seen some of the pe same people for, for 14 years, you know, and, and see people having children and people getting married and people, you know, whatever life has thrown their way as mm -hmm. well. It's been, I, I don't think a lot of people understand too, um, just the idea that like, uh, it, it's kind of just as crazy for us as it is for them, you know, to like, to, to go to these places and to see their faces is like, uh, is, is comforting as well. You know, it's like, even if there's, you know, however many new people you like see somebody that, that has, you know, a familiar face that you've seen however many times. And sure. it's, it just reminds you that you're, that you're in that place and you're, I don't know, there's, there's something comforting about it for sure. Now this, this only pops in my head because there's someone in my head about this, but in all the cities, in all the world, who is like the fan of yours that stands out the most for whatever reason? 
It could be someone you know, don't know, maybe physically looks super cool. Like, is there anyone who rocks, like, you know, cool outfits? Oh, man. I mean, even when you just say it, there's, like, multiple faces right? Um, that come to mind. It's like, I don't know. That's a really good question because it's... Um, yeah, I don't know. They're 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 a handful, and some of them are like um, you can kind of count on saying, like having a, a similar story every time you see them. Uh, um, whether it's like right, right, uh, you know, however they got there and how long it took them to <laughs> right. you know get there and whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's yeah. There's not like there isn't like one specific. It's definitely like a. Uh, it's it's spread out for okay. sure. We had like a sadomasochistic couple. Okay. Yeah, they used to show up. I forget what city in Germany, but it was a city in Germany. Of They'd course. Always, of course. <laughs> they would always, they would always chill like right in front, you know, like right on the rail. Uh, uh-huh. A man and a woman, obviously a couple, both with shaved heads. And through the course of the show, we can only imagine because we actually they never like hung out or talked like we've only seen these people. So I never actually met him, but I can only imagine the man was following very specific orders through the show. Cause at a random point of the show, he would just reach over and like rub a nipple or like, you know, do something else where I think he was like being instructed and they would always stand right in front of the bass player. So it became like a joke. They were really there for him, you know, um, <laughs> They're very cool. Like they were really supportive fans and knew the words, but they were just up to this, you know. Sure. Yeah. yeah. We definitely don't have any uh, anything like that. Oh, uh, you're only us. you're only 32, John. You know. That's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got, your your fans are just getting into their 30s. You got to give them another five, ten years for sadomasochism. I think. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so. I mean, one of the cool things about the main is, you know, you've been a band a long time and you haven't had a member change since 2008. Is that correct? Yeah. So it would have been, I mean, within the first three months of the band. Yeah. yeah. So there were two, two guitar players. And once we decided that we wanted to go on tour, they bailed. And then that's when we got the lineup that's, that's uh, still together today. So, I mean, from the outside, it, it seems like a pretty pretty steady and friendly ship. And uh, I was wondering, you know, not a lot of bands can make it that long and not a lot of bands can make it with the same people. So what have you learned over the years on, on how to maintain that and, and ways to communicate with each other and um, ways to interact with each other that have been useful for you in keeping this all together? I mean, fortunately, um, like I said, I've known our manager since sixth grade. Um, the the very first time I knew he was my friend, I was standing uh, in PE class uh, at the urinal peeing, and he kicked kicked my butt. So I peed all over my shirt, and I had to I had to, I had to have the pee shirt the whole class. Uh, but to have him and his brother, exactly, yeah. yeah. To have to have them um, sort of on our team is that they've kind of been the the two of them their minds especially when it comes to just um, 
all things, um, like not business, but just all things minus music to our band, if that makes sense. Mm. They, they're sort of, they're 24 seven that, um, and I, I think the big thing for our band um, specifically is just that we like being around one another. Okay. Like we enjoy, we enjoy a lot of the same things. Um, we laugh at a lot of this, like, I don't know. It's just, it's weird to not have been around them for a minute. We still have the group text going and stuff. And so we're sending like ridiculous shit back and forth all the time, but it's uh yeah, we, we genuinely like being around one another. So, um, and we've kind of been so lucky to have crew on tour that we really enjoy being around as well. Um, mm. A lot of the people that we bring out are from Arizona. And it's just, uh, it's never felt like a job. Like it, it really honestly hasn't. It's just That's felt right. like, you know, just uh, we're so lucky to be doing it. And it's, uh, yeah, I, I don't, there is no secret, you know, it's like, yeah. Cause we're still figuring it out. Sure. You know, it's like yeah, yeah. Our, our guitar player just moved to California to Los Angeles. So it's like, we're, we're entering that new, how to navigate that whole situation. Mm. And it's, uh, it's definitely, it'll definitely be a, a learning curve, but, uh, yeah, I think just enjoying each other's company is, is the biggest factor. Ow. That's cool. I mean, it's great. When it comes to decision making, is there, is there kind of like a final say person or is this like a truly democratic band as far as that goes? I'd like to think it's pretty democratic. Um, And I think we're, I think a lot of us are on the same page when it comes to a lot of things. So it makes a lot of this stuff easy or easier. Um, You know, whatever it is, set lists or music videos or you know, first single releases or whatever it is. Um, Mm. I think we all, we're all sort of on the same wavelength. So, but it's definitely a, if, if majority vote doesn't fly, then it's probably not going to happen. That's cool. All right. So say it's two weeks from now. Okay. We're in the beginning of March and you look up and live once is starting to look like a hit single. (laughs) It's everywhere. Kids love it. You're going to be a star. You're going to be a star, kid. There's droves of people, money, the whole deal. What do you do? Like, what's the ideal version of this for you? Like, like, or what's the first thing you do with, with unfettered fame? To be honest, that, that, that ship has sailed. I feel like <laughs> I, I've lo- I've lost enough hair now where I'm like, I'm not going to be the poster boy for anything. <laughs> so <laughs> unless it's like keeps.com, which I keep getting ads for on my phone. What's that? Um, is it? It's something about your erection and your hair. Oh. Simultaneously or something. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm You're falling into that demo now. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I mean, to be honest, it's, um, the, the the big thing to me at this point is just the ability to put out music and have some semblance of um, an audience, like people that are listening. And I think that as long as I can just keep doing that and it's still fun and I enjoy doing it, then I won't have to go be a, um, I don't know, go be something else. So I, I'm not sure. I think... I got so like when, when our band um, 
on our second record signed to Warner Brothers, it was like you have this idea, probably from movies and uh, and and just TV, right. to where like, oh, you're 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 going to be famous. You know, what's <laughs> yeah. that going to be like? It's right, like, right. well, to be honest, everything that I've read, heard, seen about fame sounds fucking pretty awful. Yeah. You know, sure. so um, yeah, I don't know. I I, I think after being promised like so many things and like, you know, by adults that are like, <laughs> yeah, you know, you're right. going to be, you're going to be famous and rich and yeah, yeah. this, you're going to be, you know, whatever. I, I, I'm just so again, humbled by the fact that I'm still able to do it. And if, uh, if I, if, if lived once or any of my solo stuff got huge, then, um, I would just buy a bunch of Bitcoin or something. I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's <the> <laughs> well, you can be bald. I mean, I'd like to at least, I mean, there's Moby, uh, you know. Oh, for sure. Bon Scott uh, from ACDC. Um, Howie Mandel. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I heard the guy from the Scorpions <laughs> never took his hat off because there was nothing under there. And, you know, he wrote Rocky Like a Hurricane. So I think. Yeah, so there could be a lane. Yeah. Who knows? Well, here's here's a funny little... Oh, I'm sorry, Brad. I was going to just ask about that record because um, the the John the Ghost, that's the second John the Ghost record. Is that right? So it's... I put out like five songs in 2016. So this one is, I guess, technically the first record record. um, Was it all made during... the second batch of songs. Was it all made during COVID or was it kind of in the works yeah so i had uh when i was writing on tour for the first time like i was saying that was like i was intending for everything to be written for the new main record and i i kind of wrote so much that um i got two records out of it so um once we did the main record which is done and it'll be coming out this year as well um i went back with a buddy matt uh keller a producer here in Arizona and we just kind of grinded out the, the nine songs that you hear. And was it like, cause you talked about setting up a little home studio. Was a lot of it. Did you create a lot of it all by yourself or? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then when we went and sort of uh, disassembled the, the songs and, and tore them apart, it was like, you know, I, I only had, I have a very limited knowledge when it comes to guitar playing. So it was like, everything you hear is like, it's kind of caveman in the sense that like, there's, it's not like wailing solos and like featured guitar. <laughs> um, so yeah, I definitely just, I tried to skate by as much as I could. That's cool. I, I like, it's a cool vibe. I just was wondering, cause it does, it feels a little sort of more, um, I don't know, just maybe personal than some of the other stuff and like the main stuff. I don't know. I I just was curious if it was like one of those sort of shelter in place and like just bust out your, your, uh, your own songs kind of vibe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely a different, um, it's definitely a different vibe doing things when you know that like, you're the kind of like, you're the only, um, decider of what is is being put out you know um i don't really 
you know, not having the other guys to be like, yeah, that's not really that cool. You know, it was just, I think that's what makes it more fun as far as, um, the song choices and the song arrangements and all that. It, it was just more so about just getting ideas out and done as opposed to like bashing your head against the wall for weeks on end and like right. obsessing with certain parts. It was just like, I think we spent a day on every song. So that could was be like a really good way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I kind of, I mean, it's fresh. I think it comes, ends up being kind of fresher that way yeah, often. I think right? so too. Maybe that's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully I'll be able to apply it and, and just make more music. You know, I think that that's, uh, I, I don't know. People are saying a lot of different things about touring and it's, yeah. uh, who knows? So, no. Well, speaking of not touring, that I I've been pretty obsessively listening to that song "Drive." Um, that one's really really got me hooked, and it's a it's, right on. it's a great song. And there's a lyric, you know. Usually, I'm asking people what's their craziest thing on tour, what's the wildest thing you did. But there's a line in that song where you talked about you know looking at the Midwest sky, looking at Jackson in the dead of the night, and it kind of made me think of like those really you know, special moments on tour when you realize like, this isn't just music. This is sort of like, you know, existential adventure and you see something that, that really blows you away. Is there anything that stands out as the most beautiful thing you've ever seen on tour? Oh my God. Um, I don't even know. That's a great question. That's like uh, the the first thing that came to mind when you said like being in uh, you know being on the road late at night is we will sometimes um, on tour we'll have just like long long drives so like nobody's getting crazy everybody's getting wine drunk and it's like yeah yeah uh, the lights are all down and somebody puts on uh, some, some moody song and we stare out the windows for a while. Oh, um, it's the best, the fishbowl. It is the best. Yeah. Yeah, dude. It's, uh, I don't know. I, there's been, there have been so many moments. Uh, we saw like, we saw Stonehenge, um, oh. from like a distance on the road in, in a little van, um, on a drive that like the sun was kind of coming up. So like we caught sunrise and it was like uh, that's awesome. really majestic. And yeah. yeah, I don't know. That's a really, uh, what about you? Uh, well, there's a bunch. I mean, you know, I have sort of the innocuous one. It's just when you do an overnight drive at any point, there's something about like four thirty to five in the morning, you know, especially if where you are is flat with just the, sun just starting to creep over and you get to watch the colors like you know fill in the mm -hmm. day like that that's really stunning i think the one that stands out for me the most is i wound up it was it was it's a long story and not one i'm willing to share anymore but <laughs> uh i wound up an old band called the killing gift i was we were in niagara falls and we decided to this is when you could this is i mean to age myself this is still pre uh, nine eleven, where you could just like you used to, you didn't even need a passport to go over the bridge back in the day. You needed just like an American okay. ID, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. And that night, uh, you know, we went into the Canadian side. We were partying, and I wound up alone. 
and started walking back. And I literally wound up like in the middle of the bridge, one foot in Canada, one foot in America, watching like the sunrise go over Niagara Falls. And I was young still. I was maybe 19 or 20. And, and I do see it as one of those like, like I think I'd already known that this was what I had wanted to do. But that was one of those things where it's like, all right, like I'm probably a lifer, you know, like that's incredible. I basically, yeah. I want to spend all the rest of my time trying to find this moment again, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, but uh, so last uh, episode we had a uh, Brendan Kelly from the Lawrence arms on wonderful guy, wonderful interview, but we spent a good portion of the interview knocking the warp tour because he happened <laughs> to have a very negative experience on it and went toe to toe with Kevin Lyman. It was a whole deal, but the oh, main God. and you guys, you know, it was a very good tour for your band and a big part of uh, maybe not what made your success, but it was like a vehicle for your success at a certain, at a certain time. What, what's your thoughts on the warp tour and, and Kevin and do you have any, really memorable moments from it. I mean, uh, just from a, if we're strictly speaking on like just what the tour could do for a band that took advantage of the tour in the sense of like trying to hustle. And um, it's, it was one of like the, the most opportune places to, try to reach a wider audience if there ever was, you know, especially for bands like, like our band. Um, and we had heard a story about a band called Mayday Parade that had sold that they, they weren't on the tour, but they followed the tour. And like one of their big stories is the fact that they sold over 10,000 records on warp (laughs) tour, but not being on the tour. Wow. So they just hustled and they followed the tour in a van and trailer. And, that's crazy. Just talk to as many people as they could. So and they wound it was up being like, a very, very successful band. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it was really, uh, I don't know. It, it was like, at, you know, it was in our scene. It was a notch on the belt. If you could get on the tour and then, um, it was, it, it was in our eyes that like, then whatever you did, um, was up to you after that. It was like, once you're there, you can kind of take the opportunity at however you want. So some bands would just kind of, uh, you know, play and then go away. And that, that would be kind of it. That, yeah. that, your day was like 30 minutes set and that was it. Sure. Our band, we tried to make the most of it. And it's really funny because um, for, for a long time, not for a long time, but we, there was like a negative connotation that was associated with it. Like, Oh, they're a warp tour band. Right. You know, like a lot of people would be like, Oh, the man's a warp tour band. And we, we were like, I, I didn't, I was, it was a confused feeling at first. Cause it was like, well, does that mean that you're just writing us off? Like you sound like all these other bands. Mm. And it was, I, I, I I understood it more in the sense that like, yeah, we just did a, we did warp tour a bunch. You know what I mean? Like that was like that, that was where it was at least that's how I, I interpreted it. But I think for our band, it was just a really great place to try to just try to reach uh, people that we couldn't, you know? And that was like, 
when when our band started, we 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 didn't go on tour because a couple of the guys were still in high school. So oh, wow. the way that we reached people was online, right. and we tried to talk to as many people as we could on MySpace, and that's what we did for hours every day. Um, and I, I equated a lot to that beginning part of our band, and you know, we inevitably um, did the did the tour. I think probably seven times or something like that and by by the end we got to play on main stage but we still took advantage of the days and you know we we did two-hour meet and greets and crap like that where it's just like you know you could sort of rest on the idea that you've done it so many times and that you're deserved like you deserve something or you're owed something but i think for us it was just really important to to always take it as an opportunity and not to take it as like a not take it for granted. Exactly. Not take it for granted. Absolutely. It's smart. You, you sound like you're much more well-adjusted than most of the punk rock people I knew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, so, but back in the day, say like the first time you were on it, um, yeah. you know, you played your show. What's an example of the, the extra things you, you would do to, to make use of your time. Um, we would wake up, I mean, even even at the tail end, like even on our seventh or eighth time, we would wake up early, early, probably at like seven or eight. And um, a couple of the guys would go walk the line with signs telling people what time we played, um, sell CDs if we had them. And I would go straight to the merch table and try to, you know, say hi to people in the morning, try to sell T-shirts. and. Um, then lunch and then, you know, sometimes your sets at 12, you know, and then, you know, it's just a random day. So we would have a meet and greet at some point in the day. And, um, and then I guess at night we would finally kind of wind down and then we'd start it all over again. It was just groundhog's day. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's interesting. Uh, you know, I know there's so many, even after we posted the episode last week, there's a couple people who wrote in being like, you know, it was a great episode, but the Warp Tour stuff was a little tough to listen to. And I actually almost felt bad about it because I'm like, you know, uh, it meant, it really did mean so much to so many people. And it was this consistent thing that would show up every summer. And even though, you know, maybe back behind it, there was some politics and business stuff to it that, maybe some well-established people at the time had a lot of problems with as anything. I mean, it presented a place for people to go and a place to hear music and a place to feel like you have some community and, you know, I guess there's fucking worse things than that. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I always think about, I, at least I try to think about things, especially having been in a band for so long. I try to think about things in terms of, how I would have felt back in the day, you know, <laughs> right, right. Pr- prior, prior to being in the band and prior sure. to being jaded and, you know, whatever. I <laughs> right. think I remember going to work tour in like 2003 and seeing like the used and taking back Sunday and uh matchbook romance. And like these bands that like at the time when you're, you know, when you're a freshman or sophomore in high school, like that's, that was your musical world, you right. know? And so you're seeing all this happen on the same day 
with 30 other, you know, 30,000 other people, it was, I don't know. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, to say, to say it wasn't fun would be me lying on a major scale. So (laughs) it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's a silly story, but I always think about it. It's, I went to see, Matchbook Romance, and and they were they were a, a favorite of mine in like I don't know freshman year of high school, and I went to see them at a show in downtown Phoenix, yeah, and they probably played for like fifty people, and I think I've told this story. Do you remember before, the venue? But, uh, yeah, it was called Modified Arts. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I vaguely remember that. Yeah, so um, I'm there. And the bass player of the band, I was wearing this like globe skateboards hat. Nice. And I was, yeah, I think I was a freshman in high school. And he, the bass player of Matchbook Romance is like, hey, man, I like your hat. And I swear to God, I didn't take the hat off for months <laughs> after that. Right, you know right. what I mean? Yeah, so it's yeah. like, sure. at the time, like that was the shit. You know what I mean? And it's like, I don't know. It's, it's <laughs> I'd like to remember those things sometimes where it's like i don't know 12 second interactions with people are are very very important yeah. you know and and that can stick with people so yeah 100 percent. i don't know yeah that's good i'm glad it, well i'm glad it was a positive experience for you all for sure <laughs> all right, i i one i'm sorry to veer a little but it's something that again i i heard a quote you said and uh, it was something that kind of struck a chord with me, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on it. You, you, you had wrote, uh, you were said, singing about all these things that I wanted, and I think live once is all about the idea that I obtain those things and why I'm not as thankful as I should be. Um, and and I felt like I don't know if it was what you were trying to say, but I went through a similar thing where you know I had set this expectation for music and my life and essentially every problem would have been solved once I got to where I wanted to be. And then once I physically tangibly had it all, I was still kind of felt the same and left wanting more a little bit, you know? Sure. Um, I was wondering, you know, it seems like you had a similar experience and I was, I was wondering, uh, you know, how that happened and, and how you kind of reconciled it, like, you know, moving forward. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, it, it's just, I, I sang for years about, you know, wanting to find love and equating that to happiness. And, um, it took me a while to realize that, I, you know, being happy on your own is very, very important, you know? And yeah. it probably wasn't until I was happy on my own until, you know, that, that's when I found the person that I wanted to spend my life with mm. not kind of on accident, you know, and, and I don't think it was really on accident. I think it had to be, you know, the right time. And, I, um, yeah, it's just interesting. It's like, I, I don't think that, I think it's really important that you're never, um, complacent, you know, but it's okay to be content. If right. that makes sense, sure, uh, I sure, think it's sure. really it's it's really it's okay to be appreciative and to be excited about what you have, and it doesn't mean that if you want more that that's a negative thing. Mm. It just means that, um, you know, I, 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 yeah, it's just 
I, I have so so much, and it's not a, a, not in a materialistic way. Right. It's just I, I'm healthy. I have a loving wife. I have you know great family. I have wonderful friends. It's like, yeah, I, I think it just took. Um, I don't know. It's it's interesting being able to sing about it, you know, right. and then having those songs stick around. It's like. Oh shit! That's what I was thinking about, you know, like, right, right. you know, wow, okay, um, kind of like your di- think- your diary is just out there, exactly, yeah. exactly. So you know, it's really, yeah, I, I, I think it it took maybe it took singing about it to realize, like, yo, you're a dumbass, like you have this, stuff. <laughs> you know, it's like, right? So yeah, that's good. And you seem to be in a pretty comfortable place now. I'm happy to hear it. Well, John, that's uh, took a lot of your time, man. I appreciate you coming on with us. And I've been uh, asking everybody towards the end, you know, since we're all at home and, you know, stuck and depressed, is there anything? Well, not necessarily depressed. You sound very peachy. Uh, Is there anything (laughs) uh, as far as like uh, maybe a film or a book or a podcast? I know you also said you're a very active interest in poetry. Is there anything you could uh, recommend the people to help them get through their days? Oh, man. I just started um, Neil Young's uh, book. Oh, cool. And I, it's interesting reading now because I think he wrote it in 2011. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it's very like, it is, it has a feel of a diary, to be honest. It's like sort of him like sitting down at his, uh, typewriter or his computer or whatever and just kind of like talking through the day um so i've been reading that um i actually just li- started listening and this is I, I i really was late to the train but i started listening to that um casey musgraves album mm. um okay. what's it called oh shit where is it maybe golden hour is that the name of one of hers it sounds familiar yeah well, I'll just go with that. Uh, <laughs> but I've been listening to that, and it's, I don't know. Um, yeah, Golden Hour. I just looked it up. But it's been it has been on heavy repeat. And that one, I don't know, the things that she sings about and the way that she sings them has, uh, definitely resonated with me. Um, but I have been watching Hell's Kitchen. That's been cool. <laughs> oh, that was real. <laughs> that was real. Oh, that was real. <laughs> that was real. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been, yeah. That's like the, the, that's like the wind down, yeah. have a beer and, and kind of zone out portion of the day. We, but, we all need it. Um, we all need it. But absolutely. It's what my mom called uh, bubble gum for the brain, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Neil Young is a great one to listen to. I, he's... Uh, gave me, well, not personally, because I don't know the man, but the advice <laughs> he always gave about careers, you know, where basically explains it as a wave, you know, and, and a wave that totally. you need to basically ignore while you're on it. And there's going to be ups and there's going to be downs, but as long as you mm-hmm. keep your eyes in the right place, that it'll, uh, you'll wind up washing to shore. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, John, thanks a lot again for taking the time. I I really like the new record and I really appreciate you uh, coming on with us. It was nice to get to know you a little. No, yeah. Thank thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Have a good evening in the desert. Hey, thanks guys. Take care. 
Yeah, baby. Not bad. How many uh, guests have been from Phoenix or Philly in the last, like, three months? It's been very high ratio. Been pretty heavy. A little heavy. Next week, I'm not going to say who the guest is, but they're from New Jersey. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. But they don't <laughs> live there. They moved somewhere better. Now they live in California. Mm-hmm. And it's not Jeff Rosen. How many people from New Jersey moved to California? That's A probably, lot. I bet more people from New Jersey. Well, more people, I bet, make it in California from New Jersey than any other state. I would bet money on that. I think the percentage is high, but I'd also beg the question, how many come back? And that percentage is also high. So I think uh, there's something about New Jersey that lures you back in. I know wherever you're from, like Colonial Cape Cod or something, you guys really, (laughs) you know, look down on what we do down here, uh, (laughs) you know, in the melting pot. You just wanted uh Well, we didn't call it colonial at the time. It just was colonial. <laughs> <laughs> what are you wearing down there? See, right now, I imagine under this desk, you're wearing those little, like, pastel pink vineyard vine shorts. Yes. Open-toed definitely. shoes. Yeah. Or yachting uh-huh. shoes. And, and I have a woven cotton braided anklet. Yeah. And a, <laughs> and a smoking pipe that says Nantucket on it. Well, that was a fun interview with John. Very illuminating. Yeah. Seriously, though, um, the main, you probably know, they're they're a great band. But, like, I really like his new stuff. I like his solo stuff that he's doing. Um, and you want to catch up with him, you can catch him at The Fifth John on Instagram. The main band on Instagram. The main on Twitter and Facebook. Of course, we are going off track mm-hmm. everywhere. And, um, you know, go check out that Patreon if you're into it. Yeah. If you want to become part of the gang, uh, leave us a good review on iTunes. Mm-hmm. Benny would prefer that they were a little um, blue. <laughs> well, listen. If they were sexy. Sexually explicit, <laughs> if possible. Again, I know hot oils uh, always come up in my thinking, but especially right now because... I couldn't help. I saw some sexy photos of John when I was doing research for this. And I was like, <laughs> what if we just poured a little? If we had him in studio, I would have asked to pour a little hot wax on his chest. You would not. I would have. I would have asked. The fucking Howard Stern I over here. I promise you I would have asked. <laughs> I would, he could have said no, but yeah, I would have yeah. asked. There's no shame in this game, baby. Well, Benny, there, be, there will come a day. When all of this will pass and we will be in the studio together, breathing each other's dirty air molecules, dirty, dirty air <laughs> molecules, and pouring hot wax on our guest's chest. Listen, it's the '90s, <laughs> man. I'm trying to get into it, you know. All right. Well, everyone, thanks for coming and tuning in. Next week's going to be great. We'll see you there. It's another week going off track. <laughs> Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.